0: 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to be talking about just verses 6 and 7 this morning, but reading back um, to verse 3, so if you have your Bible, you can open there, Um, and uh, I want to say before we get there, uh, Shaped by Jesus is the title of this series, and Um, that is not going to be any more true than it is this morning. What we have to to dig into this morning ultimately is being shaped by Jesus. And and we'll talk a lot about suffering as I already have this morning. Um, But hopefully we'll talk more about faith than we will about suffering because ultimately that is the subject matter of these two verses, not suffering. Um, But in the context of suffering and being shaped by Jesus, no one suffered more than Christ suffered. And so we are shaped by his suffering, and we are shaped in the midst of our suffering by, by Christ. Um, let me read these verses, starting in verse 3 of chapter 1, first Peter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy... He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while. If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me just insert parenthetically here these chunks of verses. one of the spiritual disciplines, something that you need to discipline yourself to do consistently and consistently and consistently, is meditation. There aren't very many better verses to meditate on than these. And when I say meditate, read this scripture. And when a word jumps out of you, just stop and think about that word. Look it up in a regular dictionary. Look it up in a Bible dictionary and think deeply. These these words here in this ver these verses are just Pregnant with with depth. Uh, in your own personal time, meditate on them. Um, I want to start this morning with two foundational principles, two statements that that provide the foundation for where we're going this morning. So I'm going to lay in front of us where where we'll wind up or where we'll be at, like the middle of the sermon at the beginning, because this is vital for us to comprehend. And and I want to say this is I'm going to. Lately, I've been getting fired up a lot. I'm going to get fired up a lot this morning because this is—I I want you guys to, to be really, really careful and really, really cautious about understanding the depth of what's being taught to you in First Peter this morning because suffering is such a huge problem in this world. Not only for the Christian, the believer, the one who, who is here hearing these words this morning, how do we reconcile God being good and God being sovereign— and yet bad stuff happening to us. How do we reconcile? That just, in our minds, it doesn't make sense. And if it doesn't make sense in our minds, who love and trust God, what does it do to a generation, to a culture that is exceedingly post-Christian? Our parents grew up in a generation where I could say words like redeemed, and they would understand what I meant. We can say words like redeemed to the 26-year-old that works in a cube next to us, and they don't understand what it is we're talking about. We're in a post-Christian generation. So if us who who can't grasp suffering, who've been in church, can't do it, what is a generation who doesn't have the vernacular of church to, to rest upon? What do they think of it? So this is really vital for our hearts and really vital for our mission to come to grips with the understanding of of what it is that we're talking about. So what are these these two foundations that we're going to build on as we embark on this message this morning? First, suffering, pain, and difficulty are tools used by God to get us to trust Him more and things less. Because trusting Him is the single path to perfect happiness. If you guys... Charlie or I handed you a bulletin as you walked in the door. These are on the back of that. These are very vital for us to wrestle with and come to grips with as we walk through this life. Suffering, pain, and difficulty are tools used by God to get us to trust Him more and things less because trusting Him is the single path to perfect happiness. I want, to, I want that to just descend upon your brain. That suffering on the surface is pain. But deep within suffering is a path to understanding that this world is flawed and fatal. I think that this next foundation kind of, kind of speaks to that. I'll, let's read that. Everything that is here in this earth will pass away or fail you. Look around this room. Look around this room, seriously, look around this room. Everything on this Earth will pass away and or fail you. And you looked at people. I looked at my wife, my daughter. They will fail me. This Earth, the stuff that's here, will pass away. People will die, and that will bring pain and hurt. Every element of suffering, pain, or difficulty that I can think of is a result of something on this earth that has either passed away or failed. I'm pausing for you to think about stuff in your life that's suffering. Pain. Every single thing that I can think of is a result of, of something or someone failing. A dad that didn't protect you the way he was supposed to protect you. A person being a jerk. A loved one that did nurture and protect you your whole life that died. There's nothing that, is, that brings pain and suffering in this world that wasn't caused by someone failing. Failing. And and that's why the first foundation is true because everything that we will trust or hope in will fail you. Everything. It's guaranteed. And so God uses suffering to make us understand that look at me, I will never fail you. It's so important for us to come to grips with when a loved one dies, there is pain. When someone hurts us or acts in a non-Christ-like manner to us, there is pain. When a tree falls in your house and causes you to live in a strange place, there is pain. When sin, when you sin and feel deep regret or paralyzing truth, there is pain. But these things are tools in the hands of a living and perfect and holy God who loves you more than you can ever understand and loves you in ways deeper than you can ever measure. They are tools to make you stop trusting people, stop trusting things, stop trusting churches, stop trusting the people that make up churches, stop trusting parents. Stop trusting those the way you need to be trusting God, because they will fail you and bring suffering into your life. But God brings that suffering to say, hey, look, that person is a failure, but I'm not. So let's get to the text, verse 6. Two simple words, in this. The in this is looking backwards to what he just talked about in verses 3, 4, and 5. In particular, verse 4. We have an inheritance that's kept in heaven for us that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading. Meditate on those words this week. The inheritance that's kept in heaven for you, no matter what happens on this planet, the stuff or the people that fail you and pass away. You have an inheritance that can't perish, spoil, or fade. That's kept in heaven for you. Think about that. I'm a, a friend of mine that I went to high school with put this Facebook webpage thing together. And it's, you know you're from North County when you remember dot, dot, dot. And people are just like putting things there. And... I grew up in the 80s, and so stuff that I remember is from the 80s. I remember, like, the Aqua Jet water slide at Halls Ferry and Cross Keys. And Probably nobody in this room was even born when it was was there, except Charlie. Hook me up, Charlie. You know it was there, right? You remember it. And restaurants and and things that we used to do and and all of those things that come to be, right? But you can go right down Lindbergh to Lindbergh and Halls Ferry right now, and there's like, uh, I don't know what's there right now, but it's not an aquajet water slide. Stuff passes away on this earth. And when you guys are 40 and talking to people like I'm talking to people right now, you remember remember that one time there used to be that thing that we used to all go do and whatever, and it was right there. It will pass away. Stuff will pass away. But the inheritance that we have will never, ever Pass away. Human hands built that water slide. Eternal God hands built the inheritance that's kept in heaven for you. Lay hold of that. When you're suffering, when the people who are supposed to protect you fail, and you're filled with tears, when a father dies, and you, God, why? What happened when, when a child runs away? God, what, what, what happened? Your inheritance can't perish, spoil, or fate, it's kept in heaven for you. Lay hold of that. When we fail ourselves, when we can't keep from not sinning, and that brings great suffering to our lives and our hearts. Your inheritance inheritance can't perish, spoil, or fade. Hold on to it. In this, in that understanding, greatly rejoice. Rejoice here in this word is the word that's translated as rejoice exceedingly. We have one word called rejoice. They have two words, rejoice and rejoice exceedingly. The rejoice exceedingly is this word. If you flipped over a few words chapters, or a few books to Revelation and see there's, a, there's this great time that's going to happen at some point where there is, a, a in heaven, there is a wedding feast of the Lamb. You guys might remember reading about that. When everybody in heaven sits down at the wedding feast of the Lamb, and the Lamb is Christ, the wedding feast, Christ and God have spent an eternity preparing for this one moment to, to enthrall us and captivate us in such a way with such beauty, such remarkable greatness, as this moment to explode upon every sense that we have. You know what word is used there when we behold that for the first time? This word. The same word. In this, because we have an inheritance, it can't perish, spoil, or fade, we experience the joy here and now that in, in a, a similar way as when we experience the beauty and the joy of laying hold of sitting down at the wedding feast of the Lamb. Rejoice. And now Peter starts talking about suffering. And these words can sound religious and they can sound vague and they can confuse us as they have because we have We said at the beginning that we're confused about how suffering and God, how they work together and sovereignty and all those things happen and work together. What does it mean? It doesn't make any sense to us that that this is the, the truth. But so don't let these words be vague. Attack them with your mind. Think with me. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved By various trials. I want to spend some time thinking about this idea. You have been grieved. A lot of times when suffering happens to us, pain happens to us, we feel like we're being dishonest to our faith if we spend time in grief. Like this is bothering me too much. And if it's bothering me as much as if I spent time thinking about how much this trial is grieving me. I might spiral and wind up in a place I don't want to wind up. So we can I don't know if you're like me, maybe maybe you're not, but sometimes in difficult times we we lost two children on either side of Hannah Grace, Uh, an older sibling and a younger sibling, Jen miscarried. And the first one, I was afraid to grieve because I didn't want to get to a place where I was mad at God. That's wrong. The second one, I spent a lot of time grieving and I got angry at God. And God used that... To bring me to a place to trust him in a deeper way than I did during the first miscarriage. Do you see the the connection there? Don't be afraid of grief. Ecclesiastes 3 4. Pop it up there. There is a time to weep and a time to laugh, there's a time to mourn and a time to dance. Ecclesiastes 3.4 just gave you permission to mourn and to weep. It's okay. And it's the, this word is the same exact word that happens. Jesus' disciples are gathered around the, the last supper table. All right? You remember? And they say the disciples felt grief. Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me in, in Matthew 26.22. And the response of the disciples was to grieve, is it me? Imagine there's this really intimate gathering of Jesus and and his 12 disciples, and and there's a lot of life that's happened, and you're really deeply connected with these guys. And the guy that your leader says, one of you is going to betray me to death. The grief that overcame them, Jesus says, it's okay. Matthew 26, 37, Jesus in the garden praying a few hours before his death. The same word that's here, grieved, in 1 Peter is the same word that Jesus felt. If Jesus felt the emotion, we have permission to feel the emotion. Don't run from grief. It's okay because in the midst of grief, God will show you his faithfulness faithfulness when i get done here we're going to sing great is thy faithfulness and it's going to make me weep because the truth of it is the truth of it his faithfulness is great and the grief that he brings into his life causes us to see his great faithfulness and for that we say thank you we say good But here's the here's the deal. Here's the the punchline for the whole message this morning. This series of verses, this a sub context or a sub subject, a secondary subject is suffering. The main subject here, the point of what we're talking about this morning, is faith. And faith is where trust and surrender meet. I want to bring back the the foundations that we talked about. Bring them back in front of us. Suffering and pain and difficulty are tools used by God to get us to trust Him more and things less because trusting in Him is the single path to perfect happiness. And then secondly, everything that is here in this earth will pass away and will fail you. Every element of suffering and pain or difficulty that I can think of is a result of something on this earth that has passed away or failed Uh, This week, I discovered for the first time, this is, by the way, this was the first set of verses that I ever preached like 15 years ago. Uh, A little church in Godfrey, Illinois called Bethany Baptist Church. I preached these verses and I messed them up because I talked about suffering the whole time. This week, God exposed my heart to the truth that he's talking about faith, faith, And suffering is the illustration that God uses to teach us about faith. And I think the reason why we think it's so much about suffering is the reason why we spend so much time thinking about suffering because we are so stinking us-centered. If we look at this verse, these verses... From a man-centered viewpoint, they're all about suffering. We look at them from a God-centered viewpoint, they're all about faith. This is really teaching us about purifying our faith. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about faith. Faith, again, is a religious word that's kind of hard to quantify. But ultimately, it is where trust and surrender meet. All right? All right? Faith, when Scripture talks about faith, and Scripture here is talking about faith, what it's talking about is the place where trust and surrender come together. A couple of definitions. First, trust. I believe, this is what I mean when trust and surrender come together to make faith. I believe with all that I am that you have my best interest in mind and that you're able to come through on what you have promised. I believe you. This is what suffering is trying to do, to teach the core, to press down deep into the deepest recess of your soul. This is true. And I've got your best interest in mind, and I will make it come to pass for you to say, I believe you. Surrender. I bet my life on that trust. Here's the deal. I'll be honest with you. If if this isn't true, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead and suffering weren't put in our lives for to, to purify our faith, it's the, we're the biggest fools who ever walked the planet. So I bet my life on that trust. I surrender completely to you. Think about Christ. And the faith that he possessed in the garden, when he rose, determined to go and die a brutal death, be separated from God for the first time in all eternity, and be abandoned by everyone. Betting his life on the trust and obedience that he felt. I quit trying to do something that I cannot do. I quit trying to do something that I cannot do. This is what surrender means. I ask you to expel my desires and replace them with your own. I die to myself. These two concepts, I believe you and I die to myself. This is what comes together to make faith. And this is what comes together that suffering is purifying purifying our faith. Think on a failing situation in your life. Think of a place where someone failed you and caused you to suffer greatly. God is purifying your trust, making you be able to say, I believe you. I die to myself. God is using those circumstances to get your mind off of yourself and onto him. (coughs) Here are some things that we can trust in that are wrong and will fail us and leave us deeply grieved, too grieved. We can trust in our family. We can trust in our homes. And by family, I'm talking about parents and moms, dads, brothers, sisters, children, I am a failure to my children. My children are a failure to me. I'm a failure to my wife. My wife is a failure to me. When I trust in those things or when they trust in me, I will fail them in suffering results. We can trust in our homes. I can sit up here and talk about how awful it's been for us to have to live in some strange house with mice and ants and an air conditioner that doesn't work when it's 100 degrees for three weeks, and blah, blah, blah. All proof that stuff fails. Our jobs fail us. Our friends fail us. Our place to meet and our time to meet as a church fails us. Let me be be real and honest with you right now. I was angry, angry for a long time. God ministered this to my heart. Who do you trust, Rick, you idiot? Who do you trust? And here I say in front of you, who do you trust? Me? Please don't. Here's the truth. God will minister to your heart in a powerful way and bring peace to the core of who you are. He's waiting to do it. Just stop trying. Here's something else that can fail us. Our own ability to not sin. It will fail you. And when your own ability to not sin fails you, what do you do with that? Do you wallow in your grief? Do you wallow in your self-pity? Do you wallow in your depravity? Or do you look up and see a beautiful God who says, I love you, and I give myself for you? Sometimes, many times, almost always, God uses suffering in every one of these areas to get our faith away from created things and get our faith on to the creator. We trust and surrender to each other all the time. We trust and surrender to our cars, to our houses, to our friends and family. But sometimes it's necessary for God to hit us with a big dose of suffering to get us to stop doing that because faith in The created is not the path to perfect happiness. So we get mixed up and we languish and spend more time in grief and suffering than we have to. Or we get calloused and develop a hatred towards God because of suffering that's in our lives. Or we dismiss him and his existence completely. You work with somebody... You go to school with somebody who has dismissed God completely because suffering is present in their lives. And God has shaped you in the suffering that's in your life and the study of 1 Peter that we're doing this morning to proclaim the truth about suffering and faith to that person. That's true. Every single one of us has somebody, maybe we don't know it because we fail to connect with our community and our culture, But there's somebody that you know who has dismissed the very existence of God because of what we're talking about this morning. And that's why this message just isn't for you and for your heart, but to inform and wisen up your your mission. I want to close with with this one thought. Let's uh, read the second half of verse 6. Don't look at your Bible. Look at the screen. Read the second half of verse 6 in all of verse 7, without a parenthetical in insert about suffering. So we can really understand what this is all about. Very simple. You have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, here's, here's your answer. When, somebody, when that, that person that is in your life that says to you, I dismiss God completely because there's suffering in my life. Why does suffering exist? Take them, open your Bible, the second half of 1 Peter 1, 6, and all of verse 7, and take out the insert because it's going to confuse them. And read this. You have been grieved by various trials. And the reason you've been grieved by various trials is so that the tested genuineness of your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here's the deal. Our faith sucks. Suffering comes, purifies it, makes it real, because the result of faith is an apprehension of Christ. Here, the verse says... Praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Christ. This word revelation is just laying hold of. Okay, I've laid hold of my Bible. I've laid hold of this stool. This is the point. The revelation, the laying hold of, the obtaining, the holding, the making it your own. I can show you. here's Here's a picture. I thought about Jeff and Megan when Jeff went away for, what did he go away for, like three months to the Philippines? About a month and a half. He goes away for about a month and a half, and they exchange some emails a lot. They, probably more than anything, you guys exchange emails. And then, like, once a night or so, or, or every other night or so, you guys would do FaceTime, right? And then he comes home, and they get to embrace. They get to touch. You and I can't imagine the joy that Megan and Jeff felt when they finally got the touch. They didn't have to email anymore. They didn't have to FaceTime anymore. They could hold each other. That's a a step. You see an email, a FaceTime, touching each other. This is what's happening. This is suffering is that to our faith. And our faith is that to our apprehension of Christ. If it meant to you that you could understand and know and trust and experience Christ more, and we had a sign-up sheet in the back for suffering, would you put your name on it? Because if, if we believe Scripture to be true, that's what it's telling us. The end of suffering is an apprehension of Christ. And that apprehension of Christ is praise, glory, and honor. All that stuff that we can't even fathom. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has perceived what God has prepared for those who love him. We can't, it's not within us to think or to grasp the beauty and sweetness and assurance of what God has prepared for us. And suffering is the path to get us there. The result of suffering is faith. The result of faith is Christ. So I'll ask you again. If, if we had a sheet in the back, a sign-up sheet for suffering, would you put your name on it? If you wouldn't, then you haven't been listening. If you wouldn't, then you, you probably trust in the stuff of this life too much. No, not probably, you do. And I do, because there's a bit of me that would, not, even, not a bit, a big part of me that would not want to put my name on a suffering list. Let's pray and then sing to God. Great is your faithfulness. God, we come before you and we thank you For who you are, God. We trust you completely. We give ourselves to you completely, Father, but we want to do it more. God, draw our minds and our hearts, our affection, our attention to you, God. Lord, press this into us that in the midst of suffering, we can have perspective, eternal perspective. A per- eternal perspective that's driven by faith. God, you are mighty and awesome and powerful. Lord, guide us now as we respond to you. Wreck our hearts and our lives, Father. And at the end of it, may we lay a hold of, may we apprehend you. May we see your Son revealed. And may we rejoice. Thank you for Jesus. In his name.